Hi, it's Joey. And Dutta. Please leave a message after the beep. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Let's try again. Hi, it's Joey. And Dutta. And we are the co-founders at Leho. Leho is a social impact brand where every purchase supports a social cause. Our It's Call to Care series consists of all things kind, caring, and cool. We focus on topics of sustainability, running a business, helping people in need, and just general topics that people can relate to, really. So subscribe, save, share, and stay kind. Three, two, one. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of our It's Cool to Care series. Today, our guests are James and Jens from We Make Change, an amazing organization that we personally work closely with. Um, so I'll let you guys do the introduction first. So James, do you want to go first? 30 seconds. I'm on, I'm timing. Here we go. Right. So I'm James, uh, co-founder CEO of We Make Change, and We Make Change exists to give you the power to change the world. Now, that's a big phrase, but actually, how do we do that in reality? So the way that we do that is we connect individuals and employees with social enterprises across the world where they can use their skills to support the causes that they care about. Nice. There you go. <laughs> yeah, thank you. My name is uh, Jens and I'm um, CEO at We Make Change. And I guess I don't have to tell you what We Make Change is now, but I met James in New York four years ago and now we're making change. So that's my introduction. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks guys so much for joining us. I know you both have super busy schedules and you know, so thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak, speak to us today. So let's dive right into the topic of the day, social enterprises. Um, I wanted to give a little background on what a social enterprise is for those who may not know or is unclear of. So according to Social Enterprise UK, um, definition wise, a social enterprise is a business that has a clear social or environmental mission and operates in the interest of your social mission. Some stats provided by the World Economic Forum says that only 45 percent of social enterprises remain operational between one to three years and then on top of that only 8.7 percent lasted more than four years so those are really you know staggering statistics what would you say are some of the main challenges of starting up your own social enterprise sure well um one of the interesting things about us in some ways is that we're not only a social enterprise ourselves but we support social enterprises um, across the world too by connecting them with volunteers and so the definition that we use both for ourselves and the organizations we support is effectively they are businesses with a social mission and what that means is that actually purpose rather than profit is absolutely central to what they do that's the reason why they exist and although there are lots of organizations now who talk about the impact that they make or talk about sustainability and those kinds of things often those types of businesses aren't typically social enterprises because it's not actually the core of what they do is making impact. It's just an addition to what they're looking to do, which is generally to make money in that, that kind of way. And the thing that's super exciting for us is that there's an entirely new generation of entrepreneurs that are creating an entirely new generation of companies as social enterprises because purpose really is at the core of what they, what they do. And most of the social enterprises that we support in that vein are very much startups. They tend to be somewhere in the range of 
somewhere between we describe it as like six months to kind of three years old um if not slightly longer um and they often have very small teams either you know one or two sort of full-time founders and then a kind of volunteer supporting team beyond that and for those types of social enterprises the biggest challenges that they face are that and this is one of the reasons why we make change came into existence was that they often find it really hard to afford people with the skills they need to grow their impact so they're at this stage where they really want to grow and scale but they don't have the capital to be able to invest in those people in technology product or platform to actually enable them to get to that scale as well and there are a whole bunch of other challenges that come with it but as you're starting up that's one of the biggest biggest challenges but as we've seen through the types of uh, social enterprises we support and the volunteers we connect them with is that there are so many people who are willing and able to use their skills to help that actually you can overcome some of those challenges quite quite easily and effectively through uh, through connecting the skilled volunteers as well it's also i would say that a lot of the focus is always about this funding thing I need funding. It's always focused on funding so I can do what I want or get the people with the skills that I need. And since we focus on um, the UN Sustainable Development Goals and we only have nine years left to, to achieve them, we need to accelerate that. Um, and we believe that there's a lot of value in the skills that people can offer to help accelerate this and support these social enterprises. So we can, in the end, also transform the system. So in the future, all businesses are led by purpose instead of profit. And those are the kind of companies that people want to work for. And perhaps that could even change um, sort of the market uh, itself when corporations start seeing that, oh, people want to work for a company that makes a change. We need to make our change ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, you know, there's deeper reality between, I mean, behind all these kind of issues that all these social enterprises are supporting, whether it's environmental issues or social issues, and it goes back to the kind of systemic issues and, you know, the social ecosystems and the government. But at the same time, like to really implement change, it comes from communities, it comes from consumers, businesses, brands, governments. Like I always say this, it's just, it's not one person. It's not the government. It's not businesses. It's not society. It's all of us together you know so it's just um i think yeah hopefully the future will kind of move towards more social enterprise and more business kind of purposeful mm. ways yeah. of living i think that goes down to a lot of pressure for the actual social entrepreneurs because it's like once you start making impact you're going to want to start making more and more and more and i think that's where you know that leads to kind of what you posted about um social entrepreneurs and mental health the other day, James, you know, the statistics were about 50%, right? For depression and burnout. Yeah. So, because coming to Jens's point in relation to that as well, is that the thing about starting your own social enterprise is that when we live in a system where fundamentally, really the, the ways that, you know, capital and investment work for organizations at almost any level is predicated on financial returns is that trying to change that system through social enterprises where you're trying to harness these existing market powers towards a more purposeful and impactful end yeah. and i always say that it's harder to make change than it is to make money and it's even harder to make change and money mm. <laughs> at the same yeah. time yeah. and that's the kind of you know world that we live in and one of the reasons why 
there are such high uh, rates of you know statistics in relation to burnout and, and mental health issues um is partly because one of the big things that social entrepreneurs lack is time mm. and that's because you've got you know a million different things that you could be doing at any one moment also generally there are a lot of particularly young founders who don't really know what they should or should not be doing <laughs> as well so you've always got that uncertainty um, in your head too and in addition to that you have a huge number of other kind of financial pressures that are burdened on you as you're trying to operate within this market mechanism. So you have all of these different forces pulling at you at the same time. And the way that I see a lot of social entrepreneurs get through some of those toughest moments, I've got a disproportionate number of friends who are social entrepreneurs um, for this reason. And we talk about these issues a lot, is that if you are so driven by that sense of purpose, there is nothing that's going to stop you from trying to achieve it you're not necessarily going to achieve the change that you want to see but there's not nothing that's going to stop you trying mm -hmm. and i think that goes back to a quote we might come on to philosophy in a bit of detail uh from nietzsche but is to paraphrase is that for someone who has a why they can they can basically suffer anyhow and that's what it mm -hmm. feels like along the time no matter how much you have to pivot you have to change kind of along the way actually you'll still be driven by that sense of purpose. But again, that doesn't diminish those other pressures that can lead to some of those mental health anxieties as well. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, the balance between trying to actually create a brand because at the end of the day, you have to play the game in the field like any other competitor, you know. Just because you have a purpose, you also have to learn how to, I guess, run a brand or like a business. And then on top of that, how can you leverage your impact and how can you kind of really take that opportunity to build it and grow it? So I think it's like tackling two, I guess, like completely different things as well, because your impact and how you build your impact is very different to then how are you going to get your customers or how are you going to you know, actually scale as a brand? So, yeah. Yeah, the system yeah. is also quite black and white. Uh um, I remember one of our members based in the US and over there it's like it would be the perfect country for social uh, enterprises because there is a lot of like civic engagement uh, people do a lot of volunteering a lot of change in their communities but this is this understanding that okay either you're a capitalist company or you're an NGO you cannot be anything in between yeah. like it's like oh you're saying you make change but you also make profit like mm. that makes no sense at all so I think there are a lot of um weird boxes that we always have to to fit into and i must myself was thinking that as, as well um because i have a background in political science and i thought oh i want to change the world how can i change the world well i have to do it maybe through politics or work for an institution somewhere in my country or internationally the un or the eu something like that to feel like i could make a change but then i realized that well anyone we, we all, all of us has to do something to make a change as you said uh joe joey so the point is that um if we just rely on the, the governments to make the change for us and maybe the eu or the the un we're never gonna reach the un sustainable development goals by 2030 it might have been the states and all the governments who agreed uh, on the resolution 2015 about the SDGs, but if they have to do it by themselves we're never going to reach the goal so we have to engage all parties whether they're NGOs or companies or states um, we have to work together
Mm, yeah, you're right. You actually articulated that so much better than I did. I was trying to make a point earlier about the stigma. And I think I don't didn't get quite didn't quite get the point um, across as well as you did. But you're right in terms of you know like capitalists or you're making money. And it's like I think there's a stigma that you can't be both because if you're making money, then are you really making change? But you know a lot of businesses are. And I think um, Thuta and I question all the time. And I think you know we do a buy one give one with socks, but we also try and support other social issues. And every day I'm like, are we really making a difference with socks? But then we go out and do outreaches and we actually speak to people, you know, experiencing homelessness. And we ask them because we want to validate we're still such an early stage company that we do have the opportunity to pivot if the impact wasn't there. But then we hear people say, you know, like after two days, their socks get wet or their socks get holy, um, holy holes. <laughs> Um, and their socks get dirty or they have like foot issues and cuts and wounds and stuff and then that puts us back to be like okay this is you know some kind of validation that we are making a difference we're not going to eradicate homelessness with socks but it's all of our little bits put together that you know does really help and just because we're a business that makes profit doesn't mean we don't prioritize impact and purpose over anything we do yeah and I think it's also about finding the balance too right there's Mm -hmm. lots of people that want to drive change but maybe don't have like the I guess the financial you know capabilities to do so and there's another like stigma around you know social enterprises not making enough money to be able to support themselves and stuff and we know firsthand as well we didn't like pay ourselves um Joey and I still don't you know pay ourselves a regular salary. tell them that I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> um, we're fully transparent here so yeah no we are bootstrapping but it, it's a challenge that we want to take but it's true you're yeah. right like you know the cost for running a social enterprise is so much higher because then you have to you know make impact and I think that goes back to maybe you know James's statistics not your statistics but you know the statistics. Yeah. <laughs> James did a study <laughs> <laughs> um but you know that probably goes back to the kind of burnout and depression because then maybe people are constantly thinking like you know, I need to also be making a living, but I want to make impact, but I also want to grow my band and scale it. And I don't have enough time and resources. I don't have people, all the, just loads of, yeah. Yeah, loads of challenges. So no, no to the fellow COO, Thuta, that we are also very transparent. I mean, nobody yeah. make change are getting paid either. So it's a challenge. <laughs> we really? oh. yeah. it's, it's, part, it's part of the journey. It's part of the, the process okay. to, to kind of kind of getting there. And yeah. One one of the things in relation to some of the points you, you made, Joan, as well, Theater, is that I think when like when we kind of think about the ways in which people have like made impact throughout history, coming to Jens's point of, you know, about politics and about, you know, working in the charity sector, that kind of thing, is that well, I started in the charity sector and there's loads of amazing work that goes on there. But for me, the single most effective thing that any one individual can do particularly of our generation, you know, like the largest, most connected, most highly educated, is really either start your own social enterprise or a greater starting point is is volunteering for one. Mm. And the reason that is, is because as much as there are these challenges with social enterprises and, you know, a lot of the work that we do goes around like verifying and checking impact that's being made, is that they're actually making impact. So for you as an individual, it can, there can be so many barriers to, you know, either volunteering with a traditional kind of like charity or organization, either because it, you know, doesn't support your causes, doesn't need your professional skills, doesn't fit with your schedule. Whereas actually with this new generation of social enterprises is that, you know, 
basically any social enterprise needs pretty much any professional skill on whatever time basis you can kind of give it. And there are so many that support all these different causes that it really is the most effective way a generation that is, you know, basically money poor but skill rich can mm. contribute to addressing these big challenges. But coming to one of those big anxieties, which is true as much as it is for kind of individual volunteers as well as social entrepreneurs, is that the challenges that the world faces just seem so huge. Yeah. Joey, like you're saying, you know, you're you're wondering, you know, give, you know, buy one, give one. Like you're almost kind of thinking, yeah, but we're still we haven't ended homelessness. Yeah, it's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's never enough. But to me, that's the thing which it can can get you into a position of anxiety around like and and frankly it's extreme levels you know depression because you feel helpless Mm. but if on a day-by-day basis you feel like you are giving what you can to making that change you want to see and you really see it then that's when you can you know lay your head on your pillow at night and think have a clear conscience and then just literally every day taking step by step doing what you can to address those kinds of challenges as Jen says we need to accelerate but you know as long as we're doing that on a day-by-day basis we can try and alleviate some of those tensions that come from taking on some of these big challenges as well you need to also yeah inspire this sort of change in the world and inspire Mm -hmm. kind of this generation that that we are we want to see change and i want to go a bit back to those four years ago in new york with with james when we met um we met at the mud united nations conference and if you don't know what that is um it's where you meet up usually university students people also do it in high school and pretend it's a role play that you are in the united nations you're maybe in the security council representing a country and so you just play that country and you write a resolution together trying to find solutions in the world but what we thought was interesting that okay people want to spend their money to go to New York to attend a conference like this for four or five days with a lot, a lot of other young people who also want to see some change in the world. It's like if people want to do that, imagine how much change we could make in the world, uh, also through social entrepreneurship, instead of it always being political politics is the solution, but politics is just not the solution. We just can't make a substantial change with, through politics. Yeah. It can help a little bit, but we need to, do it ourselves yeah 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 so i kind of want to bring back to what you guys are doing at we make change really incredible and you've already kind of touched on you know how you help link volunteers and social enterprises which is amazing um do you guys want to talk a little bit about other things that you do as well i know you host events and webinars like educational content as well that you share with other people um in case you know if there are any potential volunteers listening on the other side that- well for potential volunteers if you're out there and you want to make a change <laughs> somehow i mean we, we have that little exercise james and i for for people to think about like um, we, we say causes um skills and time so you think about what causes do you care about because everyone cares about something whether it's climate change gender equality quality education you figure out what you really care about and then you figure out what are my skills? Um, maybe I have some specific skills. Maybe I'm developing skills through university or something like that. Uh, so what are the skills that I have that I can contribute with? And then you figure out how much time do you have? Uh, maybe five hours a week, maybe 10 hours a week, maybe, for instance, if you are in university, you might have flexible schedules. So sometimes you have more time, sometimes you have finals and not so much time. Once you figure out those things, you can just go 
on the WeMakeChange platform, um, apply to any of the projects that we have or join one of our change days. So the change days are, are um, kind of one of volunteering events. In most cases, people do want to continue volunteer beyond that day, um, but we match change makers with um, social enterprises. And then throughout a the whole day, they work together on some specific tasks. Um, so it's very, we think that event, the events are great and fun and you can actually make a lot of change uh, in just a few hours. And you've also tried that yourself at Leo. Um, so that's a bit about what we do, but I'm gonna also give, give the word to James. Well, so yeah, so that that's basically technically what we do. And the philosophy behind it is that we basically want to make volunteering as fun, effective and flexible as possible. Mm. Um, and the way that we do that is on both sides. So for the individual, we want to enable anyone anywhere to be able to use their skills to support the causes they care about. And then for the social enterprise, we want to enable them to get the skills they need to grow their impact when they need them. And so whether it be through projects or through change days, um, these are kind of two different ways that we aim to, to achieve that. And to give you an idea of like how as a social enterprise ourselves, we've developed those concepts and come to that learning is that, you know, we've basically been in, in some form of existence for about four years. And it's only really in the last sort of year or so that we've really solidified what that model is, how we ourselves are going to make that impact. And the reason that we kind of can take that amount of learning is that you're always trying to really find out what is kind of the secret source, which will keep people coming back and also leads to that impact as well. So we've launched projects from our very beginning but over the last nine months we've actually just launched now over 170 projects at this point I believe um, because we've done all that learning over three years um, and now we're running change days we only started change days at the beginning of um, at the end of last year in 2020 and now we're kind of even in the next month or so we're running about four change days alone um, so things are growing pretty quickly. And it's when you start to understand how these models work and then you refine them that you can then actually really start to replicate and grow that impact as well. Nice, yeah. We actually, um, we have a few, so we're growing our Leo team. And I think this is the first time where we've had people where we can just give tasks to and really, you know, full responsibilities without like hovering or being like, or monitoring them or like, you know, it's just like, a bit of a relief and they're all from we make change Jens and James didn't pay us to say this but you know it is an amazing amazing um it, yeah what you guys are doing is just so great and you know you've connected us to so many great volunteers people helping with Leho and we're really excited we had our first team meeting yesterday and it just felt like just a bit different because you know me and Thuta like yeah. work together every day but then having you know more people there with their great ideas and their great skills without having to like train them or anything is just you know such a relief and it's just so yeah it's so so great so yeah well sponsored by <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. well <laughs> I, I tell you something in relation to that though is that when we started we may change it was just a few of us with this idea but actually at the end of it what happened was that we needed to build our own volunteer team to grow it and so we basically had a few adverts out for volunteer roles and we had 200 applicants to join our wow. volunteer team in four weeks yeah wow that's crazy. and that's where the whole kind of almost validation started and then it's during that time where we've been building and refining how we grow and manage our own volunteer team that we now enable other social enterprises to do the same as well so 
we've had that same feeling worked with so many amazing people we've had like literally over 150 people in the we make change team at any one point amazing. Yeah. um and yeah it's just incredible both the relief they can give you as, yeah. as you say but also the impact that they can make as well uh, yeah. because ultimately they generally have far more expertise than say we do in a lot of areas yeah, that, yeah. That we you can learn a lot from from them indeed um, yeah, and also it's interesting what's because we're in our team we have it's pretty diverse so um people from all kind of different countries so it's very meaningful meaningful mm. work i was about to say i was like i love how you have volunteers from just like all over the world it's crazy and you know with our leho application there were so many different people from you know all different places in the world and it was just really really nice to see so yeah in a way Spot. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> in a way, I feel like, you know, I'm not sure how long you guys have been running the virtual volunteers program, but in a way, you know, being in lockdown and stuff, I feel like opened up like the range of people um, that can, you know, volunteer for these social enterprises. And yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, one positive thing we're getting out of this pandemic that we're a lot more, you know, we're able to communicate with people across the world more. It's not just like physical um, events and interactions and it's not limited to that. So, yeah, I think it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And that's why one of the things that I personally have found so it's partly powerful about not just what we do, but the kind of the sense of oh, this really means something, is that when we started to go into lockdowns and people were starting to see how all these other different social issues were magnified in addition to the sort of pandemic itself, yeah. is that you had these two, you know, these converging factors of so many people who basically had, frankly, either more time um, because, you know, they're working from home so they don't have to commute or they've been furloughed or in some cases sadly laid off, so they've got more time to give. In addition to that, you also see a whole range of different social issues, you know, racial inequality and other forms of social injustice that come to the forefront. And added to that is that we happen to be living at a time where we, the vast or a lot of people are connected in, in a, you know, through the internet and, and globally. So each of those factors has enabled us to really grow our own impact is the way that we see it we don't really see it as oh it's sort of beneficial for us as an organization it's more it's an opportunity for us to enable more people to make the change they want to see mm. and the convergence of those factors aren't things that are going to go away quickly either because even though you know hopefully we'll get past this pandemic is that more people will be working from home than they have ever have done before more people are continuing to be connected and I think this is part of an awakening of a generation to say, we just can't wait for these challenges to be solved. And we can't wait for another pandemic or crisis to come in order to address them as well. So that's what gives me some hope in the future too. And I think if we can play our part in helping to you know, enable more people to be part of that movement, to, to make some of that impact, then yeah, excited to see where it can really go from there too. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, and you're so right. And like, 
with the pandemic I feel like we're bringing more communities together and you know even in the interviews with our volunteers like they all came for one thing and it was to make change which is exactly you know the the name of your um company so I think yeah it's just really amazing to see because I think when we um before the pandemic you know we were connected to a lot of startups and stuff all from different kind of you know like techie startups fashion everything but now it's just we are really building our network of startups that we know that are you know making change and it's just really nice to kind of go through and just talk to them about you know whatever what all the struggles are and you know we've now referred a few people to we make change um I saw the people project on there as well so it's just like a really nice way to kind of share you know your community but also everyone's going through the same thing we're all here to do one thing and it's to make change so I'm really sounding like a paid sponsor ad for you guys <laughs> it's, it's awesome <laughs> but um no I I love it yeah and that that leads me to kind of you know because of the pandemic and because of more people wanting to I guess make change and um, what do you feel or what do you both kind of think the future of I guess sustainable or I guess you know the future of consumption will go like conscious consumption whether it's people purchasing from more brands that have a social mission do you think that's going to kind of grow and there's going to be more demand for that or what are your thoughts well we hope so <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean um we believe we play our part in it by highlighting social enterprises making a change in the world featuring social entrepreneurs um doing webinars and stuff uh i've been speaking at some universities as well and uh, but spreading the awareness um giving people this power um especially young people our generation because there is still this you feel like there's this gap like people older than me are always like smarter i have to adapt to the system i mean mm -hmm. i need a job so i need to do something for someone to hire me because otherwise i will not survive in life um yeah. I think that we can influence this uh, and we've had the opportunity to do that um, also during the pandemic um, because more and more people are going online because see, you can just, the only thing you do is be home pretty much. Uh, in certain countries, you couldn't even leave, there'd be a curfew. So you sit online and look around and um, more and more companies, but also investors think more about the impact um, that companies can have. So. Personally, I, I think the future is actually looking bright uh, in these terms. Um, and I think that people will think more about or know, be aware that they can actually make a difference, not just like buying the, the stuff that they buy, like, um, but also the places that they want to work, um, be more um, picky with that. I think that um, the future will be better and uh, now our generation is kind of waking up and kind of learning hardcore activists yeah. yeah well i think kind of. <laughs> yeah well i think i think that's the thing where it's it's kind of like the idea uh, an activist used to be someone who would like protest on the street for a cause yeah right the thing that kind of excites me is that well maybe a relatively controversial point but in a in some countries now protest is a very ineffective form of impact yeah we've seen that in the uk massive protests against huge issues and either nothing happens or the opposite of what people are protesting against happens um in a lot of cases and a lot of people particularly of our generations are just not really turned on by the idea of like walking around 
you know, like the streets of London holding up a sign and like shouting at someone you can't see. And whether it be through the things that you buy as like a conscious consumer or, you know, volunteering your skills or, you know, or where you work, you know, people are starting to see that impact more and more. But I think talking again about this kind of like system we operate in is that we are deliberately alienated from the impact that our actions have on a day-to-day basis. So to give you some examples, when we go to the supermarket and you purchase a product, you have almost no idea either where it's from. You can look, you know, it's almost mandatory for it to be labeled, but it doesn't really mean anything. It's just a name on a label. You don't know what conditions that person has been working under and you don't know what environmental impact that's been made. Mm. The only way you know that is when what I would describe as, you know, conscious brands highlight those things, but no one shouts about the fact that, oh, this is actually, this is a product that uses unsustainable palm oil, or yeah. these people weren't paid a certain wage, is that companies can still get away with not highlighting those factors. And, you know, one of the things that people are talking about a lot recently is like the documentary Seaspiracy. That's what I was just thinking. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then so, and then what even happens is when you see the label, which is meant to show that this is a sustainable product or, you know, made in certain ways, is that you can't even trust that. Mm. and it's almost like this kind of we really need to get to this point where that distance between our decision as a consumer as a voter you know as as just an individual and a citizen and the impact that makes we need to reduce that distance so that we really see that in a direct way and in in a way leho does part of that right because you're saying well you buy one from us and we give one to a homeless person and you share some of those stories and some of the impact that's been made you're deliberately reducing that distance so that people can see that impact but again we've got a long long way to go and the, the key thing is you can't just do it through one of those means you can't just buy something differently and vote for something in an entirely different capacity right and then work for a company that's doing that or have your pension funding you know certain organizations who are making certain impact like each of these things is a holistic approach and the amazing thing is none of those things require you to go out onto the street <laughs> yeah right? i also think it's like playing a bit by the you know the rules of the market there are some people who preach a lot about you know capitalism and the market will solve all the issues so it's playing a bit by by those rules and saying okay um then i have to think about where i put my money uh to kind of punish the companies that I do not like. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for, as I said earlier, about working for companies that make an impact will force corporations to rethink um, what kind of purpose they actually have uh, when they can't attract the talent that they need from, from this generation. So it's, it's a bit playing, playing on that argument that the, the market will solve it. So don't don't rely too much on the on the politicians you know Uh, as you might have heard uh, usually people who are economically on the right wing politically um will will argue that the market is the solution so we that rule so we can play a bit by that rule as well and make our consumption that way yeah and then one final thing i say on this is that it's a quote i loved i can't remember who it's from otherwise i i would uh cite them but is that every time you you buy you're voting for a business model yeah right so true yeah that's true true. yeah yeah that's really interesting wow well that was very insightful i feel (laughs) 